0: Hello and welcome to The Economist Asks. I'm Anne McElvoy, Head of Economist Radio. And this week we're asking James Comey, former Director of the FBI, has his memoir damaged the Presidency or the FBI? In the summer of 2016, Comey found himself investigating both presidential candidates. Hillary Clinton's handling of classified emails while Secretary of State and alleged links between Donald Trump's campaign and the Russian government. His decisions on those investigations have prompted accusations of bias from both sides of the political divide and they cost him his career. He learned of his sacking from TV news. The Department of
1: Justice, the State Department and the FBI colluded, got together to make Hillary Clinton look less guilty and look a lot
0: better. But for that intervention, I would have won, but it stopped my momentum.
1: It drove voters from me who understand... But regardless of recommendation, I was going to fire Comey, knowing there was no good time to do it.
0: The latest volley was unleashed by the publication last week of a report by the Department of Justice sharply criticizing the FBI's handling of the Clinton email investigation. It accused James Comey of being insubordinate, but cleared him of political bias. It's now a waiting game for special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation into possible collusion by the Trump team with Russia, which is slated to conclude by the end of the summer. At stake is the integrity of the president of the United States of America. James Comey, welcome to The Economist Asks. So, Mr. Comey, where are we now? What has changed since your memoir came out, apart from the fact that you sold a lot of copies, there's been a lot of discussion around it, but what's materially changed?
1: I don't think much that, that we've continued to see and struggle in the states, especially with the implications of this president's way of approaching his job, most prominently uh, in the issue about children being separated from their families on the southwest border. that That's a really important thing because it illuminates America's values in a way and the way the president threatens them. That's a really important change since the book came out.
0: But President Trump has just signed an executive order reducing family separation at the border. So he does look like he's trying to address that. Do you think that's a sign that there is, you know, Donald Trump is often seen as not responding much to criticism? You know him well. You've described him up close that possibly he does. He takes on more than he wants to show that he takes on.
1: That may be so. I I don't know for sure. I think what you see here is the American giant is the way I like to think about it. The American people are the embodiment of our values, and they're normally very busy and living their lives, and so they're not involved in politics, but they saw what was happening at the border, and without regard to political orientation, they rose up and expressed their disgust, and that forced action by the president. And the issue itself is important, but actually the awakening may be more important and of more long-lasting importance to the country.
0: Melania Trump has just been on a visit to the border and has been photographed getting on Air Force One wearing the jacket with the logo, I really don't care, emblazoned on it. What do you make of that?
1: I I saw the pictures, I don't know what to make of it. Her spokesperson, I think, said it's just a jacket, it's not a message. So I'm not cool enough to know whether that's a a statement about fashion or something beyond that.
0: But you've seen how Team Trump operates close up. Do you think that the Melania Trump that you've encountered would do that without messaging something?
1: I don't know. I don't know her, I've never met her. Team Trump itself, at least to my eyes, doesn't have a consistent strategy. And isn't particularly competent at executing whatever their strategy is so i i don't assume uh, malevolence when when accident or incompetence is an available explanation i wouldn't think that someone going to visit a center for uh, incarcerated migrants would wear a jacket that to send a message like i don't care you're going because you care so i, I I don't know the answer. I guess I shouldn't speculate.
0: You previously said that he was morally unfit to be president. Has your overall opinion of the presidency shifted at all?
1: Mine has not. My concern about the president is actually not at the policy level. It's at the moral level about the way in which our values are threatened, especially the rule of law and the truth by his behavior. And I think what we've seen over the last couple of months just increases. My concern. And. That's what I meant by the awakening of the giant. I think more and more Americans are coming to realize we have to worry about that, that higher level of the values of America, because if we lose that, we've lost everything.
0: The force of your argument has always been it's better to opposed Donald Trump through the usual electoral process rather than impeachment or any other mechanism by which one could hope to get rid of a, a president that some people don't like. But are you still confident when you look at the lay of the land of American politics that Donald Trump wouldn't be re-elected?
1: Yeah, I don't know. I'm not at all confident that he won't be re-elected. I, I'm hopeful that the, that the American people will wake up to the threat to our values that he won't be, but there's scenarios in which I could imagine especially if the, there are three candidates for president, this may be his strategy to get reelected with 33 34% of the vote, which represents his base. I don't know. I think it's really important that we talk about it. And I'm optimistic. Well, I shouldn't be that optimistic yet. I'm hopeful that the Democrats will pick a candidate who reflects our values in a way that attracts the great middle of American life.
0: You know, I think you might be making the political judgment error of assuming that many more people are actually angry and as cross with Mr. Trump as you are.
1: No, I'm, I hope you don't hear me to be assuming that. I. That's why I'm, I'm being careful and actually saying he could get reelected. Mm. I'm, I know that the rhythm of American history is we find ourselves in these kinds of places over and over again, and the American values recover and win in the end. But whether it takes... Four years or six years for the American people to realise what's at stake here? I can't say.
0: Donald Trump's due to come on a a visit to London in in the near future, if indeed he he does. There's been some controversy, and I think it has taken light again after this situation at the border, saying that democratic politicians in the West should be much tougher on him, possibly not receive him at all. Sitting here in London, what would you think? Should he be the next big American visitor to town or
1: not? Well, he's the president of the United States, and so I've obviously been highly critical of him on an ethical basis, but I respect the office, and I, and I think that that's the way it should be across countries. If the American people aren't happy with a British prime minister, I would expect them to treat that person with respect and not to cut off contact simply because of disagreements. So the relationship is more important than any person or any one term. So I would hope that it would be treated like a presidential visit.
0: But in a way, you didn't treat the president like any other president. You wouldn't have written a memoir about any other president, certainly not in the terms that you did Donald Trump.
1: Right. And I I think the distinction is logical, that I respect the office of president, and I actually want President Trump to be successful. If he's able to achieve the complete, verifiable denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula, I will... I assume there'll be a lot of other people who feel this way, to praise that that, that, uh, achievement. But at the same time, I have to speak as an American about the threat to our values that I think he poses. I think that's my obligation as an American. What's cool about being in a democracy like the UK or America is, I also have the opportunity to do that.
0: And are you optimistic about the North Korea denuclearization deal?
1: I'm not. I, I... again, I look at the rhythm of history and see that we've actually been in this place before with the North Koreans, and they don't follow through on the lovely sounding promises. So I think everybody ought to approach it with a deep sense of skepticism.
0: Let's turn to the Department of Justice report uh, on the FBI handling of of the Hillary Clinton emails inquiry and your role in that. The report said you were insubordinate, basically that you overstepped in that uh, case, the, the new FBI director, Christopher Wray, says he can't imagine taking a similar decision. It must give you pause for thought about your own you know, the processes that led you to that decision.
1: Of course it does. I had pause about my process at the time, and I agree with Director Wray. I could never have imagined myself in a situation where we were investigating one of the two candidates for president of the United States during the election year, and the circumstances that I was presented with surfaced and I if you'd asked me in 2015 could I imagine stepping away from the attorney general to announce separately the fbi's recommendation in a case no way that's the nature of 500 year floods they come every 500 years
0: but did it need to come precisely on the eve of the election was the, the question, wasn't it? And whether, why did you announce it re on the eve of the election? Hadn't you had new evidence for some time? I mean, in a sense, maybe you were a victim of your own delaying tactic.
1: I don't think so. I don't know what you mean by delaying tactic. I, well, it was, was very, just very shortly
0: before the election, and that was the problem.
1: Oh, my goodness, yes. That's what made it a nightmare. And so you had two choices at that point: you could speak about it or not speak about it. Either one of those choices is bad. One, in my view, is catastrophic. Not speaking. Once you've told the American people something they're relying on, not to correct it is to perpetrate a lie. But other people can see it differently. The Inspector General saw it mm. differently, and I, I respect that. I think he said a
0: serious error of judgment. Yep. And did, I did you look into yourself and question? I mean, generally, once we've made a decision, we find reasons why it was the right decision you wouldn't be alone in that did you look at your own judgment
1: oh at the time repeatedly for a day and a half in agony and since then many many times and i don't see it differently i really don't and i've tried to cross-examine myself because i know that people tell themselves awesome stories about themselves
0: what's I the hardest question you ask yourself
1: was there another alternative was there a way out was there something I didn't see at the time? Hindsight is useless to me. Again, I know now that the, the agency was able to complete the review before the election, but I couldn't have known that on October 28th. So are there things I could have known then and should have known? One big one is, should I have known about the Hillary Clinton, this huge trove of new emails, and acted on it a month earlier? That's a really hard question, one the IG, the Inspector General, wrestles with in their report. Are they so suggesting the, that you missed it? I don't think they're suggesting that. I think they're suggesting that the FBI as an organization should have moved on it faster and presented it to me earlier, and, and I can't really answer that because I didn't, I didn't index on it. No one brought it to me in a form that I could act on it, but that's a big what-if for me.
0: Hillary Clinton has uh, noted on, on Twitter a bit of a, a jibe about your own use of private Gmail's account. Obviously, circumstances differ. She was Secretary of State, et cetera. But optically, I mean, can, can you see that that is, you know, that she might well have an eye roll about the fact that you used your own private Gmail casually when that was at the heart of the problems that you threw up for her?
1: Yes, but it's a bit depressing if she sees it that way, because that means she missed what the point of the entire investigation was. It wasn't about her use of a, a Gmail or an AOL or a private account. It was about the treatment of classified information. We'd have had the same issue if she were using an unclassified government system. No one's claiming that I used a Gmail for any classified communications. I used it to send draft speeches back and forth to myself. And so... It's a little bit depressing. that Do you think all, she's
0: missing the point deliberately or missing the point because she doesn't want to take it on board?
1: I don't know. I don't know her well enough to know. During the campaign, she used to frequently say, well, Secretary of State Colin Powell used AOL, which missed the point then. No one was claiming that Powell, just as with me, was talking about classified things on an unclassified email system. So it's possible she's had a misconception of it throughout.
0: She's quite a bright woman. Is she really having a misconception of what the investigation was about?
1: I don't know, which is why I can't express it with certainty. I can just say it's possible because otherwise it's hard to explain her focus on Colin Powell, her eye roll, tweet. I just, I don't know what. I, I really don't think she'd be. Well, I guess I can't say. I don't so know. You what don't what think
0: I'm, it's fair that she should have a jibe at you for your use of private email? No,
1: I get why she would do it. It'd be fun in a way to jab me even if you knew what the case was about Mm -hmm. but again throughout it she would say my predecessors used unclassified private email systems which missed the point as well
0: you talk in the book about your regrets and and sometimes even a sense of, of panic really that you may have impacted the election and swung the election for Donald Trump because by this stage you're you know out there saying that you don't think he's fit to be president but do you do you do you How sure are you that you you made any difference, really? And have you changed your mind at all about that as the presidency's gone on?
1: I hope I made no difference at all. My wife, who was a strong supporter of Hillary Clinton's, hopes there'll be a scientific study at some point that proves I had no impact whatsoever. And this may sound strange, but it doesn't change how I think about the decision that I had to make on October 28th. Because... I don't think the FBI director can make decisions based on partisan considerations. So even if someone had showed me that if we made this decision, it would have the following impact, I don't think you can legitimately consider that in the role that I was in. And again, so I've read a fair number of things by experts trying to figure out whether we had an impact, and the answer is likely we'll never know. And it's also part of a normal human phenomenon to blame the last cause. That is, when a team that's heavily favoured in a match loses the match, you tend to focus on the goalie missing a stop in the last 30 seconds and not focus on the fact that you gave up four goals in the first period. And why did that happen? I get why people focus on that point at the end, but I don't know whether it made a difference.
0: Do you think you scored an own goal?
1: Well, I don't know, again, again, whether I had an impact on the election. And I, I hope it doesn't sound facetious. It In a way, it doesn't matter to the decision. It makes it more painful. It makes me sick to my stomach to think that we had any impact. But I don't, I can't sit here and tell you we had an impact. That's for others to figure out.
0: I mean, what I think is so fascinating, you know, listening to you talk now and and thinking what you wrote in the book is you spent a career clearly cultivating a non-partisan image. And you ended up in a position where uh, lines like this could be, be written about you. Mr. Comey believed he alone could protect Public trust, but he negatively impacted the perception of the FBI. And someone said to me yesterday, You were the most politically active director of the FBI since Jedgar Hoover. Hmm. Fair?
1: No. Well, in terms of what you mean by politically active, I and the FBI really
0: overly were. involved in politics.
1: Well, when you're the referee in a World Cup match, are you involved in football? In a sense, you're on the field and you have to make calls, but that doesn't mean you're on one team or the other or rooting for one team or the other. The FBI found itself investigating one of the two candidates for president of the United States during the election. We were doomed in a way. The decisions I made were all made trying to pick the least bad of terrible options to protect the institution in the long run. And honestly, even in hindsight, and I've asked myself this a thousand times, I think we made the best decisions. Of course it led to damage to the FBI, but the question you have to ask is compared to what? If I had chosen not to speak on the cusp of the election and concealed that we had restarted that investigation, I think I'd be reading an Inspector General report today excoriating me for damaging the FBI for the rest of my life.
0: But also writing the memoir is a political act and it comes at a time we haven't yet had the Mueller investigation conclude. So this could be seen to, you feed into a mood of, of hostility coming out of the FBI, and some of the, the details in, in the report uh, would appear to back that up, in, at least in some cases, a political hostility to the president. That, of course, then puts the FBI in the spotlight on that charge. Have you aided that with this memoir?
1: I don't think so. I want to reject your premise a little bit, respectfully, that I, I don't see writing this book, which isn't a memoir, because there's lots of stuff I think is important to my life that's not in there. It's a book about what we can be or should be as leaders. I don't see that as a political act unless you define political to include participating in debates in your country about things like ethics and leadership and how we ought to be. That would
0: be true if you were another private citizen, however senior, but you're a former director of the FBI, and on the whole that has not been the approach that they wrote memoirs afterwards attacking the president.
1: Well, that's actually not true. Louis Free, one of the directors, two directors before me, wrote a memoir afterwards excoriating Bill Clinton. But I actually think about it the reverse, that it would be an abdication of my responsibility as an American not to participate right now. I have a perspective that almost nobody does because of where I worked and what I did. And my life would actually be as much as I'm enjoying talking to you, my life would be better if I weren't sitting here talking to you. I'm
0: horrified to hear this.
1: (laughs) But I think that would be a cowardly thing to do. And I'm not doing this to... You
0: didn't pause because you'd already had problems with timing. I mean, inevitably, and whoever was in your shoes would have had this, knowing what we now know about Clinton investigation and about the Russia investigation. Timing was never going to be your friend. You could have waited till after the Mueller inquiry, couldn't you? You could have have waited till things had sort of, basically the whole story had been flushed out on possible collusion with Russia. So the charge is, you're getting in the way with this memoir.
1: Yeah, I get that, but I really don't think so. And here's why, and I say this as an experienced prosecutor investigator, my account, to the extent I'm a witness, is locked down. I wrote the memos right after the events. I testified under oath about it a year ago. So there's very little chance that, that I will affect my own ability to be a witness. But what would be the right time? I'd really, I'm not really gonna interview you, but I'd turn the question around. So what would be the right time? I published a book a year after I left office. And could I really look myself in the mirror if my concerns are about ethics and morals by this president? Could I look myself in the mirror if I waited Till the damage was more severe, to speak about it, I couldn't, and so there's never a good time. Again, it's not fun actually to to write a book and go out and talk about the American president like this, but I think this is a reasonable time to do it. And if I did otherwise, I would be a bit of a coward.
0: What confidence do you have that the Robert Mueller investigation will bring out the truth and then have a meaningful impact about what it? is able to show?
1: Those are two different questions. I have high confidence that if the special prosecutor is allowed to complete his work, given the nature of him, his quality, his character, and his people, he will develop the facts that allow us all to see what is true. That that I have high confidence in. What will happen as a result of what he finds, I can't say and don't know, so I, I can't express a view on that.
0: You can't express a view or you're just not sure how it will play out
1: I don't have a view that would be thoughtful because I can't see what he's going to end up finding. And then there's the next question about our political system. What will the reaction be and by whom? Too hard to say at this point.
0: You testify to someone who is your predecessor in, in office. And to some people, this sort of sense that everybody knows everybody else, either from the FBI or from other uh, associations. In, in Law enforcement looks a bit cosy. Why are they wrong to be a bit suspicious or skeptical
1: well i they're wrong because they need to make sure they stare at the people and what they're like what their track record is like there's no doubt that in all countries there's a fairly small group of people who are expert in particular areas law enforcement is one of them and so that would prompt you to ask so what are these people like what is what is robert Mueller like and what is he like He is the straightest person I have ever known. He is a person who does not care about expediency or politics or any of the things that govern a lot of what goes on in Washington. And he's exactly the person you would want doing this kind of work.
0: And you wouldn't see some truth in the fact that, that you have given fresh ammunition to Donald Trump and his supporters and some of his his you know attack dogs in the media and elsewhere for his kind of aggressive stance or attack on institutions. You don't feel you're fed into that?
1: I don't think so. I mean, he started... He fired me on television and then started attacking me and my credibility and my character immediately. And so I've published this book a year later. And that year, I didn't do a single press interview during that year. And, and so I didn't need to, I didn't need to feed the attack mechanism. It was well, well underway long before I published the book.
0: And, and one of the things that the Mueller investigation is looking at is possible obstruction of, of justice in your firing and in the the handling of your case by the Trump administration. Do you feel that justice was obstructed in your own particular example?
1: I don't know. It it could be, but I, as a witness, I can't see enough to give you a final judgment on that. That's something that the special prosecutor will have to figure out, because obstruction of justice in the states requires a very specific intention to do wrong and obstruct an investigation. It's possible, but I can't answer that question based on what I know.
0: But you you know, you, you were in the room, the room where it happened, when uh, Trump asked for personal loyalty and the strong implication was to link to dropping the investigation into Mike Flynn, his security advisor, over the Russia connection. Would that not sound to you like a, po- a possible cause?
1: Right, that's why my answer is it could be. It certainly concerned me and the leaders of the FBI a great deal, but the ultimate question depends upon... Facts that I'm sure the special prosecutors to together that I can't see. What were the emails around it? What did the president say before and after this? Those things that I, I don't have access to.
0: Would you like to see the Mueller investigation conclude soon? Because in, in in many ways, I mean, you're a bit on the pranger as long as this goes on, you know, that we wait and see how long it comes out. Are you in the way? Have have you affected it? I mean, surely uh, the if you were sitting in those shoes, you would like the investigation to be over soon.
1: Sure, you... You always do, I remember over and over again telling the Hillary Clinton team that we need to do this quickly, but always well. And if you have to choose between them, do it well. So, and I've supervised lots of investigations, you always wanna do it as soon as possible, but each case takes the time that it takes to do it well. So I don't know whether Robert Mueller's on the cusp of finishing while I'm sitting here talking to you, or whether it will take months more and no one can tell because no one can see what's going on inside his investigation because it's a professional investigation.
0: It is, and it hasn't leaked. It's been a highly professional investigation from that point of view. I mean, there is another optics problem, which I'm sure was you know, probably unintended, but with an awful lot of people involved in it are, or have been Democratic Party donors. Do you see that that's an unfortunate perception from the stance of those who may be looking at it thinking, you know, why does my guy get a fair shout here?
1: Yeah, I understand why partisans have seized on that, but I also understand why that, that, that Director Mueller is actually forbidden by American law from asking people, career people inside the Department of Justice about their political affiliation in hiring them because we want people to be able to have their own political views. I also know the culture of the Department of Justice, that the worst thing you can do at the Department of Justice is reflect in your work a political bias, which is why the Inspector General's report focused so much on the activity of FBI people in that regard. So I get why partisans would seize on it, but it's It's highly misleading to use that to try and attack the special prosecutor. He can't know that when he hires people. He hires them based on their intelligence and their experience.
0: Not because there is inherently a tendency for people there in that organization to be more politically one way than the
1: other. No, and look, a lot of the prosecutors that he hired were the best from New York, and so you do the math. New York is a largely democratic... Community and so the law of numbers would tell you. You're more maybe like, you should
0: have hired them from somewhere else.
1: Well, maybe, but he wants to hire the best. He's not considering politics, and so some of the very best minds in American law enforcement, especially on the prosecution side, are in the U.S. Attorney's offices in Manhattan and in Brooklyn. So, if you want to hire the best athletes, you go where they're the strongest, especially because you don't care what their politics are. You need high intelligence and high ability.
0: You've watched how uh, Mr. Trump responds to pressure close up.
1: Do you think he'll testify? Or do you think he
0: could even risk being subpoenaed?
1: I don't know. I would hope that he would cooperate. Again, he's the American president, and this is a lawful, appropriate investigation by the Justice Department. And I mean, he once said to me... And I wrote this down in a memo right afterwards, that if one of his satellites, meaning someone around him, had done something wrong in connection with Russia, it would be good to find out. I hope he still feels that way and would cooperate, given his role. Now, I'm not his personal lawyer, so I can't advise him on whether that, stepping aside from the role of president, whether that would be a smart move as a citizen, but I would hope as an American president he would cooperate.
0: And what's the best way to cooperate, just to go and talk to the inquiry or to set terms?
1: Well, you know, anybody speaking to a prosecutor wants to set some kind of terms for how long it will go on and that sort of thing. But yeah, to, to submit to an interview it would strike me as a responsible thing to do when you're the president of the United States.
0: I suppose if you hadn't been fired so publicly from your job, you'd be in charge of the investigation now. you wish you were in Robert Mueller's shoes?
1: Huh. That's hard to say. I wish I was still at the FBI because of the people and their mission. And Bob Mueller's got an incredibly hard job to do. And no matter where he ends up, it's very similar to where I was a year ago, he will be savagely attacked by at least one team. Maybe both. I've been attacked by both teams. Maybe he'll anger both teams. But what's amazing about a person like Bob Mueller is he doesn't care. And... And so I wish I was still involved in the mission with the people of the FBI is the best answer.
0: How does the FBI need to change? In many ways, everything about this situation is suboptimal. Does it make you think that there are things that the FBI needs to do very differently or that it's an institution that is ripe for change?
1: I don't think that. I think, of course, there are things the FBI can do better. We were constantly finding ways to improve. Every organization should. But it's... It's at its core an incredibly healthy place and not politicized. It's being politically attacked, but the notion that it's politicized is just nonsense. And everybody who knows it, including some of the people who are saying that, know better. So I don't see there were important things I was trying to change about the FBI, but not its core culture and commitment to the rule of law. That's rock solid. Actually, it should be a consolation to the American people. That can't be screwed up, even by a president who constantly attacks it.
0: So when Rudy Giuliani, for instance, says that last week's inspector general's report, in your case, means that one reason why the Mueller investigation is so flawed and should be called off, what do you think, Sir Giuliani's motivation is?
1: He represents a client, and I don't, I can't figure out what his strategy is. But he's obviously trying to pursue some sort of strategy by saying things like that. It, I don't, it doesn't make any sense to me what he's saying. But I. I don't know exactly why he's saying it other than to say he's representing a client and so he's saying things he thinks help the client.
0: It is possible when we use the word collusion to repeat it about Russia. It's an unpleasant word, isn't it? has very unpleasant uh, connotations, but I think you pointed out numerous times that there isn't a crime called collusion.
1: No, I've never heard of it before.
0: Uh, so does that mean that we could actually be? You know, I, don't know if, I don't know if this uh, resonates with an American, but hunting the snark, you know, we could be looking for a uni- unicorn, a unicorn snark that, that doesn't really exist. That what we find is uh, lots of things that don't look too good about the Trump administration's dealings uh, with Russia. Unwise, perhaps foolish, but in the end, not criminal.
1: That could happen, but that's not. Wouldn't be a product of a focus on collusion. I hate to get all lawyer on you, but collusion is just not a term in American law. What is being investigated is conspiracy. Did anyone knowing what the Russians were up to assist them in their efforts, or what we call aiding and abetting? Did anyone knowing what the Russians were doing participate to help them? And So that's a sensible thing to look at. You still could end up in a place where you don't find enough to conclude there's criminal wrongdoing. And I, I suspect if that's what the facts are, that's what his conclusion will be.
0: And is your personal view that Russia has, is culpable of that kind of activity towards the American democratic process?
1: Oh, overwhelmingly. That That's not even a serious question. The, the serious question is, were there any Americans who, with knowledge of what the Russians were doing, assisted it, helped it, participated in it? That's the question that the special prosecutor has to focus on.
0: I'm curious that you talk in the book about your prosecution of many mafia figures mobsters you've compared trump uh, to a mafia boss and yet he does seem like the teflon man very little really seems materially to alter his situation as president you think he stains those who come into contact with his administration what would finally stain trump
1: Well, the rhythm of history, of American history, tells us that eventually the American people in their great mass will tire of him and come to realize that he threatens what is essentially America, which is our values. And you're starting to see a little of that with the treatment of children at the border. But if history is a guide, and I believe it is, the American people will tire of the show and come to see that whatever trade they convinced themselves was worth it to elect such a person it isn't in the long run worth it to trade our values for the rhetoric, the promises of a particular person like that.
0: Your answer might look to some people better if Trump doesn't get a second term. If you're still having to say that with the possibility of a two-term Trump presidency, what does that prospect hold for you? Well,
1: it's possible. And, and look, it's the responsibility of the American people. I hope to be part of a conversation to awaken the giant, that is the american people that are essentially ethical good people and have them realize that a threat to our values transcends politics and that you can't have a president who doesn't reflect american values now maybe that won't happen maybe the the fever won't break until a second term but The lesson of American history is it inevitably breaks. Joseph McCarthy was a senator from Wisconsin who dominated American politics from 1950 to 54. People in his party were afraid to stand up to him to say he was acting inappropriately. And the fever broke and Joseph McCarthy was ruined and then disgraced and left office. And that's the rhythm of American history. You use
0: fever as an interesting metaphor. Do you think that Trump is a kind of illness in the political system?
1: He's not. He reflects a pain and an illness that is a regular feature of American life. We make great progress. There's change and turbulence and pain. And then we suffer a period of fever, and then we recover. And we're stronger for it. I know this sounds like a strange thing, but I actually think Donald Trump in many ways, unintentionally on his part, is actually helping America. Because we're so caught fighting about policy issues that we lose sight of many times what unites us. There's a revisiting of people's view of George W. Bush and Barack Obama, both of whom were viciously attacked by partisan opposition. Now people are stepping back and saying, well, wait a minute, both of those people were committed to American values. Wow, we need that in the Oval Office. And that's obviously not Donald Trump's intention, but by example, he's showing us what we need. And in an odd way, that's healthy for us.
0: James Kimby, thanks very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. And what do you think? Should President Trump testify to the Mueller investigation? How can trust in American politics be repaired? And did James Comey do his country a service or otherwise? You can write to us, radio at economist.com. Tweet us at Economist Radio. And for more of our journalism and analysis, you can subscribe to The Economist at economist.com slash radio offer, 12 issues for $12. I'm Ann McElvoy in London. This is The Economist.